0: Welcome to episode 264 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada, and I heard the feedback. I heard from people out there saying, your last few podcasts have been really pessimistic. We're going to turn it around. We're going to do what we do best on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. We're going to go down the list of manufacturers and talk about what's going on in the pinball world. Uh, I am going to get more people on the show. I know Blake Dumasnail was supposed to come on. It's early in the morning. I just wanted to get you guys a show, but Blake, if you're listening, you're going to come on soon, I promise you, uh, and I just need to find time. I've been really busy at work. Now, speaking about really busy, uh, this show, and I've been doing it now for almost three years, and I love doing this show, and I hope to... You love listening to Canada's Pinball Podcast. It is, I think, the most frequent pinball podcast uh, that is out there. I think we have, I think, I want to say we almost have the most pinball podcast episodes of any pinball podcast ever. Uh, it's debatable whether or not that's a a, a quantity over quality approach. Uh, but what I've done, and I, and, and I was talking to Ryan over at Head to Head, and we were both sort of thinking about doing this, and I saw they did it recently. Um, I set up a Patreon account. Um, so people who listen to this show, who love this show, if you want to donate and show some support to this show, um, I would love, love, love for you guys who are frequent listeners who love this show to show any support you can. Uh, to Canadas Pinball Podcast, if you go to Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and you search for Canadas Pinball Podcast, you will find it. I also think you'll get a kick out of the different tiers of support that you can give to this show. I don't want to spoil it, but you should go and check it out. It's a little bit more exciting and entertaining than the tiers that you'll get over At head-to-head pinball but I will say this I will match their offer to wish you a happy birthday okay we're gonna do that for you guys because we want to make sure everyone's birthday is recognized now speaking of birthdays it was my birthday yesterday and had a great time in New York City with Brenda and celebrating uh, what is now 42 years of insanity on this planet now let's let's jump in to the pinball news happening in the world and then what I'm gonna do is I'm going to read some of your emails. Okay, how's that sound? Alright, let's do this. Alright, I want to start today's show uh, with Spooky Pinball. And what is going on in the world of Spooky Pinball? Alright, so I've been reading about Rob Zombie. Okay, and you're saying, Canada, what are you doing? You don't even like Rob Zombie. I get it, but here is the thing. I think people who own Rob Zombie, what I've been reading is that they are waiting patiently for the game to be done. And there are some bugs in the game that they need to fix. And here's the thing, they know this, okay? Charlie has come into the thread and said, we know that there are certain elements and and certain things that were promised in this game that we need to get to. Now, the thing is they're busy as can be. All right, they're switching over the line. They only really have, I think, one coder working on all this stuff and he's swamped and they have to move over now and get Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle on the line. And so if you have a Rob Zombie, you're going to have to wait probably to the end of the year at the earliest to see the bugs fixed in the game. Now. What else would you like Charlie to do? I think the quagmire they're in a little bit, and Charlie says this, it's really hard for them to hire full-time employees uh, at a company like Spooky, you know, partially because the, where they're located, right? It's not like they're in the middle of a major city. Uh, they also don't always have something for people to do every day. I sometimes think people don't realize that everyday games are not on the line. A pinball company with its overhead of salary, of rent, of electricity, of all the things that it takes to make a pinball company operate, uh, that all eats away at your profit. Right? Every day that Stern doesn't have the army of people working on games, they lose a fortune because they've got like something like don't they have like 200 people working in that ginormous factory of theirs? So that is why the line is always going um, so look, give Charlie a chance to get, get Rob Zombie finished, it's also like with these games that have been sold already and, and, and the, you know, Charlie's gonna make no more money uh, in in getting a few of these bugs ironed out he needs to focus on the new game that people are paying for because uh, you know people won't want to go in on Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle if the code is really spartan so that is where the effort will be all right all right so Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle it still doesn't feel like it's shipping and i and i, I, I it's kind of crazy that we're still uh, at, you know not seeing certain games out In the wild, like we thought we would, right? It's the end of September and Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. I'm not seeing like unboxings happening. I'm not seeing the same thing. We're going to talk a little bit about Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, The same thing. It's like, where are these games, right? Where are they? Um, And also, you know, another, again, we've been talking about this. Nobody wants to buy spot number 66. It's now being lowered to the price of $799. I think he lowered it by $1. But look, we're now at the point where this guy is giving someone a $200 discount to get the game early and nobody wants it. And I think that has a lot to do with the simple fact that the games aren't shipping. I think once the games start shipping, um, someone will probably jump in and take that spot. All right. So we're just waiting. We're waiting to see what happens with Alice Cooper and when it will finally get to consumers. All right. This is going to be a crazy October, November. Just crazy. There are too many games arriving at the same time. I literally think about it like this. The pinball market is really small. It is idiotic with the amount of companies out there, right? All trying to carve a window by which their game is the game that is in demand and the new game in the marketplace that all these companies would sort of release products on top of each other. I, I, it's stupid. It, it absolutely makes no sense, but it's also like that's just the reality. I mean, Charlie showed this game all the way back at Texas Pinball Festival was the reveal of it. And people thought it would ship sooner. Same thing with Pirates. All right. Scott Denisi, game number two. Game number two. We know probably absolutely nothing about it other than it's going to have some ramps. There was like a little teaser image. What I like about what I'm hearing when Scott is interviewed is he talks a lot about Getting the white wood right, right? He says, "Here's a few white woods. There will be many more because he will not stop until the game has great flow and shoots buttery smooth." Because his favorite designer of all time is Steve Ritchie, and I look, I applaud that because you know I've said it. The the one thing that kills me on spooky games is they don't shoot very well, and so Scott has the best selling spooky game of all time. And I've said it before, I've said it I'll say it again. He should be designing and helping with the Whitewood designs of all spooky games moving forward. Alright, so we look forward to seeing that game, but we all know that the game's a long ways away. Okay, five hundred and fifty total nuclear annihilations will be made, and then the line, there's two lines at, at Spooky, they both will be focused on Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, which I believe the time frame to build all 500 is 18 months. So it's, I know, when you say it like that, like, wow, a year and a half of the same game. Imagine Stern Pinball just having one game for 18 months. I get it, totally different companies. But man, there's going to be fatigue and lack of excitement as we get like a year from now on Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. All right, Stern Pinball. The Stern of the Union address coming out in October. They're starting to like, I love the fact that Stern is starting to tease their own State of the Unions. Uh, But in it, they have the following thing. Star Wars, uh, with its newest asteroid video mode and intense lightsaber duel. Batman 66 will get new major villain cliffhangers. Excited to see what that is. Ghostbusters, uh, it says, as soon as Star Wars is complete, we will be focusing on a final update for Ghostbusters. Well, isn't that beautiful? A final update for a game that came out forever ago. Um, Aerosmith will also be getting a little more polish. And Kiss, we'll be revisiting Kiss Code very soon to create a final Update. Uh, look, there, there's no such thing as a final update of a pinball code. A, g- a game can always have stuff added to it. It can always get polished. I think Stern buyers, they, they know this is, the, they know this is the journey. And there's, there's no uh, denying the fact that when you buy a new Stern game, you're going to be waiting years before the game is complete. And, and by that. It, it, you know, as I said, it, nothing's ever complete, but it's gonna be two years in October uh, since Batman 66 was shown was basically revealed to the world. It's still not done. It's amazing what they're putting into the game. It's also amazing two years have gone by and, and we're still not finished. I mean, I don't think Batman's going to be done until maybe next October. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. We know Lyman has to move on to other things. I just, how could it take so long? Like, does it, how could it take two years to code one game? I mean, just think about that. You go into work and let's say Lyman's doing a 10 hour day. How, how can you do 10 hours every day for 365 days and not finish a game? I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't, I mean, there's, there's a lot in Batman, but it doesn't feel like there's two years worth of time. I mean, God, I hope this man is paid hourly and has a special contract with, with Stern. All right. I've been in the Deadpool Club. Lots of club threads on Pinside popping up because there's not a lot of new stuff shipping. Um, it seems that the consensus on Deadpool is that the LE package is beautiful, it is visually stunning. Uh, I think Stern understands how to make a game visually pop. I don't think, you know, the value, is it there? You know, we've, we we all know this. The only value in an LE over a premium is, is, is the visual, is the artsy-fartsy stuff. You know, maybe there's a shaker motor, maybe there's some glass. But for the most part, you are paying for... The limited run, you're paying for the different art package, and you're paying for like the sparkling armor. You know, you're not you're not getting anything different in gameplay over the premium. Uh, but it seems that people do love Deadpool LE. Now, Deadpool LEs are not sold out. By that I mean, you can still find them new in box all over the place. Go find a new in box Iron Maiden LE. You can't. All right, go find a new in box Batman. Uh, LE, you can't. Go find a new in-box, Ghostbusters, LE, you can't, right? Those those games, Batman, Ghostbusters, Iron Man, and they sold out. They sold out. Um, now, what I think has happened is that Deadpool LE has sold out through distributors. Like, it's sold through to distributors, which means Stern has sold all 500. Distributors have them sitting in boxes. Will it sell out? I, you know, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure on this one. I think people are waiting to see where the code goes with the game. I think people are enjoying the game for sure. I, I mean, I'm hearing positive stuff on this game. I'm not hearing a lot of negative stuff. I'm, you know, but then it's always hard too because anyone who buys a game, how many times do people actually buy a game, open it up, and tell you they don't like it? Okay? <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's this sort of like interesting phenomenon is the only reviews we get are from the people who own them and those people naturally want to justify their $9,000 purchase. And that's fine. You know, this is how this hobby should be. And this is where I think I got a little carried away on some of my previous shows. If you buy a game and you like the game and you're having fun with the game and you love the way the game looks in your house and you're enjoying it, nothing else matters. It doesn't. It, it really doesn't. Um, it's like I, I went into the... The Iron Maiden thread as well. And it just like the consensus, man, people are loving the game. People are just having fun. It's interesting when when the threads start to be mostly the club threads and it's just about the ownership experience. Uh, you know, it's it's there's a lot less drama. There's a lot less news for sure. Like you there is not a lot going on that like deserves you know, frequent podcasts lately. And I'll admit that. You'll see my shows haven't been as frequent. Because there's just not enough new news, you know. And and look, this is not a podcast where we like review games. And you know, maybe we should start doing some game reviews. Uh, and I should start going out there in New York City and playing them more and giving you guys uh, my reviews of these games. And I should I should probably start doing that. I have a pinball podcast. Um, speaking of reviews, and Stern really great review of the Lord of the Rings pinball by Straight Down the Middle. They they put it up this week. I have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because Zach, who I love, I mean, but he, the guy's got like Houdini and Pirates of the Caribbean in his top 10. I mean, that to me almost like, come on, really? Houdini is like, Houdini, he's got as like the third best game he's reviewed. I can't. He needs, I, I can't. I'll just stop there. We all know he, he loves the magic of Houdini. Um, all right, let's go to Jersey Jack Pinball. So, Jersey Jack pinball. There's a thread that is Willy Wonka speculation, and there no one knows anything about Wonka at all, other than people think it's going to be a great theme for pinball. Uh, I'm not sold that Willy Wonka is next. We talked about it. If Eric is the designer of Wonka and he started on this pin like in April, I, I'm not. I, I can't imagine this is in front of Toy Story. Uh, now look. I think we've said it before. There is more enthusiasm for Willy Wonka and Toy Story than there is for Pirates of the Caribbean. And you know why? Because here we are. It is September 26, and nobody is getting their Pirates of the Caribbean games in their homes. If you go to the Jersey Jack Pinball, Pirates of the Caribbean Club, you know, the owner's thread, it's only four pages long. It, it is being beaten by the P3 Multimorphic Club, which is six pages long. When you're losing out in terms of unboxings to P3 Multimorphic, something is wrong, Jack. Where are the games? You know, the, the rumor that, oh, there's a bunch going overseas. They're headed here. They're headed there. It is almost October, which makes it almost one year to the date we first saw it, and people are still not getting the games. Now, I don't know what the holdup is. I really don't. We would have thought that after all this time, Jersey Jack could figure production out. It just feels like they can't get production going at the level that makes people happy. And and I think the the problem people have with this is, is when you see this delay and you see all the time it took and they've been at it now for six years plus, you're kind of just like, when are they ever going to figure it out? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, why would we think the next title will be different? Why would we think um, Toy Story or Wonka will come out in a faster time frame. Like, they've never shown they can do it. And it's just kind of getting comical. Like, this is actually a step backward. Dialed in, shipped to consumers much faster after reveal than Pirates of the Caribbean. And so, you know, I want to read something that someone wrote on Pinside. And they wrote this, okay? And this this sort of just encapsulates where a lot of owners' heads are at. And he wrote... I'm a day one pre-order and I was told late October or November now, but that was just a guess. I was told they're currently doing a big overseas run and they are going to start on U.S. runs in October and beyond. My distributor informed me that JJP still haven't fulfilled day one orders from October 2017 as they have barely started shipping as yet, except for distributor show games, and some locations for the most part. Alright, so, there's, there's, there's where we're at. I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean, it's funny, it was in a bar in New York City. I can go play it. A few distributors have it. It's been at some shows. There's going to be another stream of it. I'm so sick of seeing this game streamed. I feel like I've been watching, it feels like you've been watching this movie for like a year now. And, but, but now the movie is officially released. But I've been seeing it on the internet for a year. I, I, I literally, I, I don't know. I, I saw the Kraken mode, whatever. I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of over, I'm over the delay. And I think those who are in on this game want their game. All right, that's it. We also heard that there is going to be another edition of The Wizard of Oz, which is actually a good thing. That this game has sold so well for Jersey Jack. That there's going to be a third. Is it a third version? So you've got the Emerald City. You've got the Standard Edition. You've got the Ruby Red Edition. And now uh, we're going to get the Yellow Brick Road Edition. Now I have an exclusive on this one. That you didn't hear from Head to Head Pinball. You didn't hear from any of the other podcasts. If you order... The $12,500 collector's edition of the Yellow Brick Road Wizard of Oz game. Do you know what you get with that? Jack will take a yellow brick and slam it into your crotch for $12,500. So, you know, I think that's a good deal. I think that's a good deal. Um, But look, in all seriousness, I uh, am curious to see what this is other than just yellow trim. Um, will the will there be new art will there be a new topper will it be limited to like a thousand yellow brick road additions now if I think if Jack were smart in marketing which i i, I literally you can hear the pause and the hesitation I, I I kind of think the marketing over there is just always a jumbled mess um he, he would probably be smart to, I don't know, do you limit it? Do you make only 500 Yellow Brick Road editions? But then do you piss off everyone else because you've made uh, sort of like the Super LE because the Ruby Red and Emerald City had 1,000 made? Or do you just say we're going to make 1,000 of these? Or do you just say we're going to make an unlimited amount? I would have to assume that Wizard of Oz demand is that... the lowest it's ever been since there's so many out there, and you can still get ones pretty easily. Uh, for and you can get them for less than MSRP, like you can go get an Emerald City Wizard of Oz for pretty cheap. I mean, all things considered, like you can get it for much less than nine thousand dollars. Uh, so I, I think if Jack, I think the Probably the smart thing to do is just say we're going to make 1,000 of these. They're not limited other than, you know, because a is not limited. I mean, I, I just can't get over anyone saying 1,000 is limited of anything in pinball. Um, all right, what else is going on? So dialed in collector's edition. It sounds like they're actually going to do the Pat Lawler meal that was promised to people who bought the $12,500 collector's edition. I think it's like an Italian uh, dinner they're going to have or lunch. I know this because our uh, uh, Richie Wrench, who seems to be obsessed with buying every single collector's edition Jack makes, uh, has been hammering and hauling to get the damn meal. Now, for $12,500... You should get a meal at Per Se or a Michelin star restaurant with Pat Lawler. I mean, the, the collector's edition of Dialed In was probably one of the most ill-conceived collector's editions ever. Um, I think people didn't even get their damn comic books <laughs> that, that they were promised. You know, you got a bunch of worthless shit. You got like an, an ugly dialed-in jacket that... If you wore, you would probably be the laughing stock of the bar. but anyway, um, I think Jack's learned how to make the collector's editions a nicer sell. All right, moving on, let's talk about Chicago gaming company and Monster Bash remake. So this game is still not out. People thought it would be out by now. People are saying now they are going to wait until Expo to reveal the game. What is taking so long? Um, To say the hype has left the building on this game is a little bit of an understatement. I think people are tired of waiting, but it's also like, what are you waiting for? The game's been out for like 20 years. There's nothing really new you're going to see. Now, what I think was happening, and I want to read something that Yellowbird wrote and Yilo Bird is the guy who does all these amazing mods. He's 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 created some of the coolest mods ever for pinball. I love his stuff on Batman 66. Yilo Bird played he played um, Monster Bash remake. He was one of the people who signed the non-disclosure agreement, went over to Chicago Gaming and played the game and saw the LE the collector's edition or, you know, the classic edition and the standard edition. He saw everything they're doing. And he signed a non-disclosure agreement, which for some reason he has decided to break. It's, It's amazing how people don't understand the point of signing an NDA. It means you will not disclose what you saw. And yet he goes on to disclose exactly what he saw. Now, I want to read what he wrote because what I think he's doing And I don't have a problem with it, to be honest. I think signing an NDA to play a pinball machine is is pretty stupid, especially a game that we already know, right? There's nothing secret here. It's not like he went to go play the Munsters or Beatles or Oktoberfest and gave away, you know, some mechanism that we haven't seen before. It's an old game. But he wrote this, and I want to read it. He wrote, In this example, um, having played them, I actually feel the base or middle um, classic Edition model will be the seller. Without detail of what was offered, I in no way see a value added in going to the LE over the others unless the price bump is really low, which is doubtful. Games are great, but I still see many way over-hyping what they assume will be there or what was done. It's really nice, just think original with a modern touch. Only negative that we created on this forum, the topper while nice was nowhere near the hype laid down on this forum. Trust me on that. No, Not even close to the wow we got with Attack from Mars LE. Again, just keeping expectations managed for a great product, yes, but don't expect a completely over-the-top design or improvement other than the standard display we have all seen with Attack from Mars. A whole lot more should be dialed down. All right, because other people are saying, like, you're going to want the LE, trust me, like, save your money. So I heard the topper isn't that special. I heard there's no movement in it like there is an Attack from Mars remake. Um, I heard that it is just, like, static images of the monsters up there with lighting, and that's it so it just feels like a basic topper. I also hear there's like, you know, I don't think there's like a lot added in terms of toys to the play field itself. And, you know, there are some sculpts that modders have done in the past, but I don't think it's going to come with that stuff. And so, you know, it's also a thousand LEs and then that just, you know, begs the question, do you, I think a thousand Monster Bash remake LEs will sell? You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure anymore. And and I've been thinking about these delays and the pause in getting this game out. And launching this game at the same time as Monsters is stupid. Uh, there's no way around that. People will always want the new stuff. I, I really don't care if you are a remake. Um, you are not going to deliver the same new experience that a Monsters will deliver. And so, I, you know, look, and you've heard me on this podcast say, like, the old games are the best, and then here's an old game, and you're saying, don't get it. It's just, it's not new, right? I want a new game that has, like, the Bally Williams world under glass with new coding. You know, there's, people have said it, the, you know, the everyone knows that Monster Bash is a, is a fun game, but it's, like, also a very shallow game. It's easy to beat, and it's not going to deliver, the depth that I think home collectors want in pinball machines. You know, Tales of the Arabian Nights. I, you know, whenever I have some regrets in selling that game because it was just so gorgeous, and I, I still think it's one of the most amazing pinball worlds under glass, and it shoots so well, and I love the mechs in it. But it was just too shallow. It was too shallow to own that game at, at, in in a small collection. In a big collection, absolutely. But in a small collection. I got so bored of it so quickly. Uh, so I just think these guys, they messed up. The delay is going to hurt them. And I can't see them selling 1,000 Monster Bash remakes. All right. So let's go on. You have to go way down, way down on pin side to find the home pin thread. I mean, way down. So all I know when I go into the home pin thread is it's still just a group of early buyers complaining they're not getting their games, people looking for refunds. I would say like the excitement around getting a Thunderbirds is probably equal to the excitement of really finding a WWE LE on the used market. I mean and that that is that that is like comparable. I I would probably rather have a WWE LE than a Thunderbirds at this point. I I just I don't I don't understand the concept of this game or why it's taken so long to, to come out, and then all the arguing and the miscommunication and the, the seemingly like endless debate about who's lying about where the early buyer games are and why they're not in Australia, and and who's saying what about shipping and 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 legislation and that keeps games from being held up in customs. I it. It's it's the boringest thread you could possibly read, which is why we'll move on to American Pinball. And that is we are a few weeks away from probably seeing Oktoberfest. I will say this, I sat down at dinner last night, and I heard these dudes talking about Oktoberfest, and I stood up. I was at the Mineta Tavern, best burger in the city. I said, hey guys, are you guys talking about the Oktoberfest pinball machine by American Pinball? And they picked their burger, and they threw it right in my face. Now, I mean, they... It is like Oktoberfest, right? The last week in September is when people start to celebrate Oktoberfest in America. Uh, so, great. You know, they, they kind of missed the timing to ship the game during the festival. Now, I look forward to seeing what they're doing. As I've said, Deep Root and American Pinball, to me, have have me very curious about what's next. And I look, I, that's not to say, all right, that I'm not super-duper um, excited to see Munster's pinball. Of course, I'm always excited to see a new pinball machine. Of course, I'm always excited to see what Stern comes up with next. You know, but it's like, it's a little formulaic. But look, I'd rather have a formula that actually works, that actually ships games and actually keeps making pinball and keeps delivering new pinball into the world. And there's no doubt about it. I mean, Stern just dominates pinball. And I I wish there was other competition that could actually do something that was, uh, you know, on the same level. I don't even mean like, you know, four or five games a year. But why can't another pinball company just get their shit together and make a good game every year? Once a year, make a good game. Is that too much to ask? I mean, we wait so long. And I just feel like so much comes up so short. All right. Alright, let me read your emails that I got and then we will call it a day. How does that sound? Because I got a lot of feedback from you guys. Alright, this first one is from Marty over at Head to Head Pinball. He says, Hey Canada, I love your show. It continues to remain the most entertaining pinball podcast out there. If you get a chance, go over and listen to Head to Head Pinball uh, because I did an entire one-hour interview talking about Pin Stadium Lights. Um, keep up the good work, and I look forward to every episode. I'm hitting refresh right now. But... <laughs> 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 it's making me <the> <laughs> if i want a stern i'll i'll get another stern all right so let's go to some real emails here so brian l now brian was the one who inspired me to do the whole pinball is devolving uh, podcast now he responded and he said hey man just listen to the podcast and you nailed my points dead on i love pinball and i think stern games are fun they are average to good, but good is not worth the price that they charge. And I totally agree about using modern-day programming to enhance the games. People cheer today's pinball coding, but more so for scoring complexities that they encompass. Give me code that includes multiple rule sets for one machine. Heck, release a sequel to a game that utilizes the same play field, but a different code and set with new objectives, like a video game. Thanks for the shout-out. Brian. All right, Brian, well look, like I agree that I, I think that there's too much emphasis on making sure that the co you know the scoring is balanced. That is to, for the most part, I think appease the tournament players. And I do agree that you can completely refresh a pinball game with new code and it can it can breathe new life into an old design people have had for a long time. And I also, I said this before, I think they should charge if they go through all that hard work to recode a game, All right, Not finish a game that you already paid for, but let's say they take a game like, um, I don't know, like Tron and they code in Uh, they They vault edition it and code in elements from the first Tron movie into the game. Now, you know, but you could buy it. Like, you could buy original Tron game to install for a certain amount of money. No one's ever done that. And I do think there is an option for pinball to move in that direction where people would actually pay for updated codes. And I think that's what Chicago Gaming should have done with Monster Bash uh sort of similar to what they did with Medieval Madness Remake when, they, you know, they actually charged people for the updated display because they had to do all that work to do that. Like, work that work should not be for free. All right, I got an email from Dave Sanders. Dave, thank you for emailing me. He said, an interesting episode. This is about pinball devolving. Couldn't really tell if any of it might have come from possibly entering into one of your occasional jaded phases But there were a lot of points to process. I think one of the key words is imagination. And that, along with good gameplay, is what people want to pay for. Stern are realizing this and are finding different ways to um, economize to bring this about. Certainly, with examples like LCD displays, That takes a lot more resources, time, and expense to make that look effective compared to a DMD that you're not really giving credit for. All right. Um, I'd rather like uh, to come on the show again and have a conversation about some of these points. Um, Look, Dave, I will happily have you back on the show. Here's the thing. look, I I do agree that it takes a lot more work to code these LCD screens, but they're charging a lot more for these games for the most part. And what we're seeing on these LCDs, okay, this isn't like mind-blowing programming going on. I mean, literally, you can't tell me that you can't go to all these schools that have programmers and kids making video games and all the freaking thousands of coders out there who know how to do this stuff and find some of them to apply what they know to a pinball game. I, I, I just failed to f- buy this notion that pinball coding is this like mystery art that only a handful of people on planet earth can figure out. I, I, I don't buy it. I really don't buy it at all. And we know that Stern has invested a lot more in hiring coders. Now, where the magic lies, because anyone can get something to light up and get, you know, numbers on a screen and put clips on a screen. The magic lies in understanding the symmetry and how to get all those things to talk to each other simultaneously in a way that makes the experience magical. And there, and to that point, there are only a handful of people who really, truly know how to do that with a pinball machine. Number one being Lyman Sheets, all right? I don't I don't think there'd be any argument there, all right? All right, let's go on to some more of these. I got an email from RCD. I don't know who this is. He um, says, Bally William Games Reality Check, and he writes... You make a lot of assumptions about past Bally Williams games like they never had quality issues, built like tanks, etc. You even held up the Big Lebowski like it was an example of a great game, but as we know, the owners experienced many issues out of the box, some never fixed. Bally Williams built a lot of turds by today's standards, horrible artwork, terrible themes, horrendous music and callouts, shallow rule sets, boring gameplay. But it didn't matter because they were designed to survive 8 months to a year on location and then thrown in the trash. By default, any Bally Williams game that you play today are the titles that have survived the test of time and has had all the issues fixed. So yeah, of course they are classic and bulletproof. As you said before, Stern, Data East, Sega have always been the lower cost, lower quality, less feature alternative to Bally Williams games, and that is still true. Today, the closest thing you can get to a Bally Williams-like game is made by Jersey Jack or American Pinball. Get ready for a cargument. Pinball machines are like hand-built Italian cars. They are beautiful works of art, but each one has its own individual set of problems and unreliable because they are built by humans in low volume. I think where we are in the golden age of pinball and building a machine that checks all the boxes is like creating lightning in a bottle. I, for one, am happy to be alive and able to enjoy every game for what it has to offer all right well RC thank you for that and I and look I, I on some level we all enjoy just the art of playing pinball uh, I would say that look if you released a Bally Williams games into homes you know, and never into arcades, of course, I think they would last because they were designed to take an immense beating and pounding and repetitive play. You ever see like a Stern game at a barcade that is very crowded? They're beat to shit. But ever go into a homeowner's uh, house and see his collection of Stern games? They look brand new. It's just the nature of pinball, right? Still why I don't get... Uh, I, I never understand why people don't put playfield protectors on games. Anyway, and the point is this. You're right. These are handmade games by humans. But I don't think it should be like lightning in a bottle to get all the boxes checked. When you're a company like Jersey Jack, you are taking an inordinate amount of time to make sure all the boxes are checked that will make a great classic game. I don't see any point in Jersey Jack having hits and misses with what they know and what all what all these companies know. I think we know enough now about what makes a great pinball game great, right? We do. We have all the games from yesteryears to look at. We have all the modern games to look at. Is it hard to figure out all the crucial boxes to check to make a great pinball game. I don't think so. And I don't think anyone should go into making pinball games in 2018 unless they know how to check all those boxes. And yes, some of this stuff is subjective, but I think Jersey Jack, where, where it just kills me is they, they always sort of kind of almost get there, but they never quite do. And they're the ones that I hold up with the highest expectations because they the whole company is focused on making one game great one at a time not four not five like stern one game great and i just think they always come up short and that to me is, is why I'm always frustrated more with them than I am with Stern. I understand why Stern games, you know, get to where they get to because Stern makes their games good enough to sell because when they go to market, there's nothing else really new for sale. They're, they have no competition. If, if Jersey Jack was cranking games out, if Pirates of the Caribbean was cranking out since March, if, if Toy Story was was revealed, if, if, if Wonka was... Or if these games were real, if they had Guns N' Roses, if, if they had real games coming out with real cadence, I guarantee you it would make Stern have to up the ante. It would, but they don't need to because they can just sit back and watch Jersey Jack once again flop When it comes to bringing a game to market. Completely fuck up how you bring a game to market. Alright. Alright. Let me keep going. I got an email from Ed. He said Bud Light. Had lots of Bud Light last night. and An extra one for you. Riding high in Cleveland right now. Well Ed I'm happy you guys finally won a game. It was fun to see Browns fans celebrating like they won the Super Bowl. Um, But it was the first win in a few years. Alright let's see. All right, arcade shenanigans. I see people, you guys write long emails. It's hard for me to re- read all these. He said, "Hey man, um enjoying the podcast as always. I've been thinking along the same lines for a bit and put it bluntly, where I landed for me anyway was subjectively, if current pinball isn't as good as Bally Williams golden age titles, then why even fuck around with the new stuff as home game room enthusiast." Um, my current lineup is Williams, Indiana Jones, Star Trek, The Next Generation, Medieval Madness, Attack from Mars, Scared Stiff, Tales of the Arabian Nights. All right. He writes, being a new in-box pinball buyer funnels you into Pinside and the pinball community noise machine at large. For me, at least, it's more harmonious existence in the hobby. Not saying I won't buy another Stern, but I will say I'm ready to let the community beta test that shit for me. Um, also, I'm going to go ahead and call Munsters a failure on timing alone. Halloween is a big deal for people. Uh, I know we typically host 80-plus pinheads for Halloween block party, um, yada, yada, yada. If they ship these Munsters machines uh, in time for the season they align with, um, they're going to get more games sold. Okay, so look, um, I think this is from Bill D. Bill, here's the deal. I don't think... Uh, that Munster's not coming out before Halloween matters at all because I, I don't, I I don't think that Stern gives a shit about, a ho- like nobody out there, nobody. It like you have you see so you're thinking too small about this. Nobody ever goes to someone's Halloween party and says, "Oh man, I really wish you had a Halloween themed pinball machine right now." Nobody. And if it's Halloween, I don't think people are playing Scared Stiff more than Iron Maiden or Deadpool right now or Pirates of the Caribbean, okay? I, I, I don't. I, I, I think that's I, – I, I just don't think these expensive pinball machines um, need to align with like seasonality, stuff like that. Now, where I do think companies fuck up is if you have a pinball machine based on a movie like The Hobbit, You should release your pinball machine in conjunction with when the marketing hype and the enthusiasm is is alive and well for that title. You know the same way when Stern missed getting Star Wars out for the Star Wars celebration. uh, You know, look, it maybe hurts it a little bit. You know, they didn't get to go to all the Star Wars conventions and comic cons with it. But ultimately, I still think what we've learned time and time again is that these pinball people will buy this stuff regardless of any of that. They're just addicted to buying every new in-box game. All right, I got an email from Steve Paradis. He said, "Canada don't give a case. He said, "Canada, what's going on, man? I'm a regular listener to your show. There are a few reasons I listen to your show. One, Canada doesn't give a fuck." You say what you want to say, I live the same way, and yes, it often gets me in hot water. Number two, sometimes you really make me laugh or say, damn. I often hear you say, it's pinball, people, meaning get a grip. It's supposed to be fun. I agree. This leads me to my email. More of your podcasts have been straight up negative from start to finish. The last one ended, I unconsciously gave out a sigh. I felt like I just got beat down. Mostly I agree. We want more for our money and prices are out of control. One thing though, pinballs were always expensive, two to 3,000 back in the day. For instance, I rented a house in 1995 when I was 18 years old. Three beds, two baths, I paid 600 a month. The house sold for $80,000. To rent that house now is $2,000 a month and cost $325,000. Everything is two to three times more. I've never been a fan of Stern. I was so pissed off when Williams went under and that company was all that was left. I stopped loving pinball for a long time. The LE game now is stupid. I do believe that there has been some great innovation. Yes, I really want more to come. For instance, when Jersey Jack came out, The Wizard of Oz, you can say whatever you want about gameplay and coding. When I first saw it and played it, I was just blown away. Massive smile on my face. I really it really was a world under glass with a ton of innovation. LED light show like never before, huge LED screen, crystal ball hologram, amazing 3D model of plastics. Most recently the TNA machine. No one ever incorporated sound into a machine like that before. It's awesome. I love it. More importantly, my wife loves it. It's the first new inbox pinball I ever purchased. I guess what I'm saying is keep doing what you do, but damn, don't make me feel like I got my ass kicked after listening to your show. You, have, um, you often have some positive things to say. I love the episode with the Deep Root guy. Uh, maybe we can pull off what we are looking for, or maybe they can pull off, sorry, or maybe they eat shit. I don't expect the pinball bubble to pop at some point. Steve from Philly, PA. Well, Steve, thank you for the email. And I agree too, man. I feel like there wasn't a lot of news. I feel like I was getting a little overly reflective about the hobby. And I do apologize if the shows did get a little melodramatic. And I I heard from people, like lots of people. I, I got like all these text messages from Ed Robertson just Just being like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, you don't get it. Like, the Stern games are fucking fun. Like, that Bally Williams stuff just gets boring. Throw it in the trash. Look, the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. No, the answer is in the middle somewhere. And again, again, if Stern and Jersey Jack would just unite, they could just create the greatest pinball machines ever. Instead, what'll probably happen is Stern'll just end up putting Jersey Jack out of business because they can't seem to get it right. All right, let me get one more email, then I'm letting you guys go because I got to get to work. Holy cow, it's 8:45. All right, let's see. Um, doo, 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 doo. Okay, I'm gonna just do. Tim Went said, "Airplane. Have you checked out the airplane homebrew machine? Great theme. There's some things that need to be fixed, but it looks good." Um the loop toy and the callouts are hilarious. So I did see a little bit of that airplane homebrew game. There's a lot of cool homebrew projects going on. There's a ghost in the shell one that's cool. There's this guy making this head to head game. I know it's not Marty on one side and Ryan on the other. It's like a game where you like you it, it's connected and players are not on each side of the game. Really cool like the old joust machine. Um, I think airplane's cool. I haven't seen too much of that video. I do love the the homebrew market. I think what's interesting to me about the homebrew market is if you make an amazing homebrew game, I I think now you will have the attention of companies like Deep Root and Spooky, I think in other companies out there like American Pinball who could potentially buy your design and manufacture the game. I mean, total nuclear annihilation, a homebrew game, is Spooky Pinball's best-selling pinball machine ever. You can take that to the bank. I think we're going to see more of that. Everyone, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon.